0: I'm Hayley Mary. I'm a singer and a songwriter, and just an all round (laughs) fun (laughs) time.
1: All right, here we are. Welcome to season two, episode two of Introducing. Thanks for joining us again. And of course, thank you very much for all your nice feedback after our first episode of season two with the incredible Jack Antonoff. I feel like, well, that could have been, well, there could be a part two to that conversation. There was so much to cover. So maybe, just maybe, if he gets out here to Australia at some stage, we can have that beer and chat face to face like he promised. I mean, you heard it, you're witness to that. Hayley Mary uh, is who we're chatting to for episode two and I'm pumped because she's like honestly she's one of my favorite female voices. I got right into the Jezebels um, since they kicked things off in 2007. She's doing incredible things with her solo career now as well. She's going to play for us a few times in this chat which is awesome and she's also going to discuss I guess where it all started. You know with her dad in Byron Bay, her dad dressed as a which I think she's dressed as a fairy. I know she'll chat about that in a second. And we got to catch up at a mutual friend's house where we roasted pumpkin on an open fire and drank low-alcohol booze. I'm painting you a very wholesome picture, aren't I? I promise it was. Uh, let's just get into it with the wonderful Haley Mary. Great to do this properly because we've been here together and we should explain we, we like to start and say where we are we're at mutual friends of ours, Patty and Beck's house, which has seen a lot of good times. Mm. What does this place mean to you? You you have been here a little bit.
0: I have. I've slept in this very little flat that we're in out the back. Did you of kick the- your
1: undies under the bed over there?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I
0: always check
1: because oh, it's just
0: too much to think of, like. Beck, I could deal with, but imagine Paddy finding your undies oh, like, no. in his office. Oh, no. it's, it's terrible. <laughs> it's a terrible notion. So I always check. But yeah, I've stayed here many times. What does this place mean to me? It's a little bit of an oasis, isn't it? Yeah. It's a, it's a little utopian block of land in the middle of the city. And
1: you it's know what I lovely. always say? My wife gets annoyed with me, but whenever we drive past, there's a pub near it called the Town and Country, which is the here actual is Town and Country from the Slim Dusty song.
0: Is it really?
1: It's the we're actual one. We're discussing our
0: location. Here's Paddy now. now. Come I to always bring like me a bottle to, of wine.
1: I like to keep the, the guests lick it up. And last <laughs> time we were here, well, Patty, you can say for this. Last <laughs> time we were here, close the door though. Be professional. Um, last time we were here, you were drinking low alcohol wine. I was. So I went to our mates at P and V.
0: I love how your version of low alcohol is eleven <laughs> percent. Well, what? it was It's slightly lower than normal. Okay, which is thirteen percent. Let me taste. Or fourteen. It. I was on the seven and a half percent type vibes. Oh, no way! They don't sell that. But I've given up that low alcohol okay. thing. Oh, have you? Well, I mean, no, it's not like I don't drink it, but it's not the rule you still
2: anymore. Drink water.
1: I had to let go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I had to let go of the rule.
1: That's nice. Maybe a chilled a bit more, but nice. Oh, sorry.
0: <laughs> we could, we no, could no, get no. some ice cubes. <laughs> yeah, a couple
1: of ice cubes, please. Chop, chop. <laughs> now we were just talking about what an oasis your house is, yes. and, and how we love coming here. Yeah, so it's yes. lovely to be here. Yeah, a lot of interesting people come through and stay. Mm.
0: Yeah. Well, let's start at the start. Are you from Byron Bay? Is that where you're from? I am from- I grew up in Byron Bay. I was born in the Blue Mountains, but okay. I my family moved to Byron when I was like seven. Right. Yep. So-
1: So unlike everybody who's moving there, your family left.
0: Yeah. Well, my dad's still there because it, it suits him psychologically. I struggled with it psychologically. I don't like the sun much. <laughs> Oh, like the beach. Right. I like the sea. Like I like where the ocean meets yeah. the shore, but I'm not super into beach culture. Right. I found Byron in those days to be a little bit puberty blues. Yeah, okay. Things have changed a lot.
1: bit more Netflix now. A <laughs> <Netflix laughs> bit more puberty blues yeah. to Netflix.
0: Yeah. And I didn't think of myself as much of a, a bay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> no. I oh, no. I mean,
0: I'm not, I'm not too bad, but I didn't feel very comfortable in a- Bikini as such, yeah, quite pasty.
1: So you ne- did you ever busk outside Tiger Lily like Tones and I?
0: My dad used to make me busk as a child. He dressed me as a fairy and he dressed as a witch and he plays Celtic harp
2: because yeah. he's
0: Scottish and he's a madman. And he used to call himself Antichrist and I was Haley Mary, which is oh. where this name came from. It's actually not and my what real age name. Is he, sorry, anywhere from four till oh wow. Twelve, uh, when I realized uh, shame, <laughs> um, but I'm proud of it now. It was a good experience, but yes, I did do the busking, but it's not my discovery story.
1: No, no. Nah. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But yes, yeah, so, so I don't now- think I've
0: been discovered. I, I'm <laughs> hoping this is going to be my discovery. <laughs> hey, this story. is the discovery. <laughs> hey,
1: this, this is your tones and I, Tiger Lily, <laughs> Patty's house, <laughs>
0: Tiger Lily. What a spot!
1: Yeah, because well, I think that was where the, one of the, her film clips was done. But I remember that was where talking to her. People found her and literally within six months, she was kind of annoying everybody with Dance Monkey.
0: Eight billion streams, more than the population of the world. Mm,
1: Unbelievable. Yeah. Mm, Anyway, you know, that's another conversation for another time.
0: It is funny though, because my dad used to say like, you can do anything from Byron. Like, you don't have to leave. You know how back in the Mm. 80s and stuff, people would have to go to the UK or whatever. And he's like, no, you can do it all from here. And it's like, he's right. Yeah. But. I wanted to leave for other reasons.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's north, north, north Bondi. Yeah. Now. So it really is just an extension of Sydney. Yeah. So from Sydney, though, you've moved recently to Melbourne.
0: I have, yes. And,
1: and sort of recently. Well, because in Piss in the Perfume, where it says, I heard you're coming back to Sydney. Mm. Well, that's that obviously not written you. was in then. Sydney. <laughs> I
0: I do come back to Sydney quite frequently.
1: <laughs> also coming back just fleeting. I normally
0: don't write songs addressed to myself, though, <laughs> to, to be know. fair. They're not always about someone in particular, but they're very rarely to me. I, I do a lot of back and forthing. My narrative is very hard to just put down in a forward. So-, so where do you
1: write on the passport? Not that we've flown anywhere internationally lately, but where do
0: you write where you're from? Well, wherever my technical address is, mm. like, according to the bank or whatever. I tend to say Melbourne now, but I've kind of lived there on and off for the last four or five years, but then there was, like, bouts of Edinburgh and London in between that. Lots of back and forthing. I'm a bit of a wanderer. I was once told by a past life reader, which mm. is the opposite to a fortune teller.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. They tell the past. Yeah. But, like... But how? But don't you know the past? No, you- the past life. Oh, past life. Sorry.
0: So they go into your past lives, and I was told that I this was in New Orleans, so it's legit. New Orleans. <laughs> New Orleans. <laughs> New Orleans. <laughs> it's legit. Yeah. So I was told that I was a traveler in like almost all of my past lives. So like a diplomat. Oh wow. Back in like the Middle Ages, and then they had like diplomats in the Middle Ages. Yeah, they'd go and try and stop a war with Spain and shit. <laughs> you know, the armada coming in, like they needed diplomats. Was that the Middle Ages? I don't
1: know. I don't know. I'm, I'm imagining, like, well, I think medieval when I think Middle Ages, but is that
0: they had diplomats? Yeah, okay. Like England, I didn't say
1: diplomat in Game of Thrones. Well, I,
0: they wouldn't have been called diplomats, <laughs> oh, of but
1: they didn't have a flag Little, on the bonnet. Littlefinger
0: was a diplomat, so it was okay. the eunuch. Those, these are they play a diplomatic kind of what's the word, negotiating kind yeah. of power wielding role. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's just diplomacy. It's
1: not- So, you're a traveller. So, that means- So, so why though did you- And I'll mention your partner, Johnny, as well. DMA is Johnny yeah. Took. Why did you guys just decide, let's, let's give Melbourne a go?
0: Well, it goes in back to- In this life, by the way. In this not- life. <laughs> it goes back to the Edinburgh thing in right. that we moved to Edinburgh because we both loved it independently of each other even before we met mm-hmm. and we needed to get out of Sydney because just sometimes, it, you know, things just get a little bit insular and the same- you know, party on your pillow at 7 a.m. in the mornings. people still in your room smoking cigarettes and like ashing on your bed and shit. And you're like, we need to.
1: Let's do that in Edinburgh. <laughs> Let's
0: do that in then- Edinburgh. No, so we got out and then just to freshen it up, change something great, where hmm. I wrote my first EP, most of it, not all of it, but got it kind of more in the bag. And then we loved it so much and we loved the cold and we loved the being a bit away from home. So we were like, what's a good way of doing that without being 24 hours away from home yeah. in a plane? And Melbourne was a good compromise. It's a bit more cold and, yeah. you know, Scotlandy. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but it's yeah. an hour away rather than 24. Yeah, yeah you can and get to Sydney quickly. it's a little easier. Yeah. yeah. So it was a good compromise. Yeah. One of why. my best mates, James Young, has
1: a bar called Cherry Bar and Yaya's in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. And he's now the first yeah. ever nightmare of the town as well, I- which is- a- an official Love title that.
0: It is Because they have them in the You know those yeah. progressive countries So there's a mayor the
1: And there's a nightmare so Yeah he's in charge of the city after dark So good But he's he's always said to me Cold places draw people inside And inside is where people become creative Because I guess if you wake up in the morning And are outside all day Well, well you're just kind of splashing around Yeah and you're not on the soccer field
0: writing a song or
1: No Or even just beach. in the surf Yeah Yeah And so would you agree with that obviously
2: Yeah
0: I would I would. I mean, I found that in Edinburgh as well. It's just fucking miserable and cold and like... I
1: was going to say, is misery the key?
0: <laughs> misery's also key. Yeah. Misery leads to creativity, for sure. Not to say that you should try and become miserable to get a good song. That is silly. But, yeah, it's uh, I think it, it is kind of key. It's like Necessities of other Invention mm. kind of vibes. Also, my mate, do you know Brendan Cowell, the actor? Yeah, I do. He's a good mate of mine and he went... And stayed in our apartment in, it was like a tenement flat, Mm. very Scotland, like sandstone Mm. tenement flat. And he stayed in there when we were away and he was like, I don't know why, but I just wrote so much. There's like something about that place and that city. It's where Harry Potter was inspired. It does make you kind of want to write. Yeah, you okay. feel like you're there with like Hans Christian Andersen penning some, <laughs> you know, I'm a make some future classic mm. kind of vibe or for the ages. If you
1: live in Bronte, you're just doing a fun run.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, maybe. I see that, I see that. Bronte's got a bit of magic to it, a bit of a romantic kind of cliff mm. cliffside vibe. Yeah. But, yeah. I know, I see what you mean. But, yeah, I know, yeah, well, yeah, Bondi maybe.
1: Bondi maybe, yeah. North, north, north Bondi, Byron. <laughs> So I, I want to say before, like last night, I, I was kind of just poking around the internet and listening to some old tunes of yours and Jezebels and stuff, and I had a really good time because I know that Dark Storm. I think I've told you was the the EP that I listened to every day for maybe a year when I lived That's in quite Brisbane. Funny, I always forget what songs are on that. <laughs> yeah. I know yeah, well Dark Storm, Storm is one of is them. One of
2: them. Uh, May Spray,
1: Mahala,
0: May Spray, yeah. May
1: Spray, and we were living in this giant Queenslander. And we had this actor living underneath us. For six months, we just never spoke a word to each other. And like Saturdays and Sundays, I'd be pumping Dark Storm. And he knocked on the door and he said, the only reason I'm up here is, what is this music? I I don't know what it is, but you've got incredibly good taste in music. And we're we're still mates to this day. and um, That's cool. But a very non-cold and like living in Brisbane as a a Sydney guy, and I lived in Melbourne a lot of my life. I didn't really get Brisbane. It was hard for me because it was a very, everyone just basically went over to each other's house for barbecues all the time. So when you're kind of there on your own, you don't really have that. So I had Dark Storm. Sweet. But I wanted to ask you, because it was a lovely moment for me last night, how often with your own music do you go back or do you just
0: keep rolling forward? No, I can't. I can't listen to old music because, well, released music because I don't really like how I sang. Really? (laughs) Like, because I've changed. I struggle like I would have done it, I could have done it better. Like, I think Mm. I kind of go, oh, I like in early Jezebel's days, I sang with like an American accent and I don't do that anymore. And I'm not sure entirely where that changed. I think it was gradual. You know, when you first start singing, you're kind of imitating the people you like. And I liked like Kate Bush and Aretha Franklin so I was kind of like. Sometimes sounded a bit English. Sometimes sounded a bit American. Just depending on how I could easily get the note. Like American mimicking- it, it is a
1: bit more lyrical, though, isn't it? Spe- singing. American. Well, you think
0: that because you're so used to it. Yeah, maybe. But I think like, you'd probably call Paul Kelly pretty lyrical.
1: Oh, okay, all right, you got me.
0: <laughs> so, so you know.
1: But for but okay, so but I ask you this though: for were you releasing music to be? An international smash or for yourself? Because Paul Kelly, probably How to Make Gravy, isn't going to make the Billboard charts in the US.
0: No, but neither did Dark Storm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I loved it. It had my vote.
0: (laughs) I wasn't thinking about singing in an American accent. I think a lot of people when they start singing because they've just listened to so much American popular music, they just sing like that and Mm. it kind of makes sense. There was moments of forging through that purposefully and it was unnatural at first to sing in an Australian accent to me. Like I had to kind of. Try mm. consciously because I was like I kind of don't feel like I'm totally found my voice yeah. yet.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Sorry. Like, was that your voice? Was <laughs> that, 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 vo- that actually my voice? voice. Hailey's voice. Everybody.
0: Yeah. I need to be free to find my own voice. <laughs>
2: yeah. You're
0: stifling my voice. Yeah. Anyway, so I felt I had my own voice. Then I wasn't like. I'm not me, but as I got older, I was like, I am Australian.
2: Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know,
0: and I, as I'm going as I start, am going to start. I am Australian. I am yeah. going to start singing in my own accent and creating. And it was also a little bit of a kind of, you know, you started hearing it more, and it was like, oh, it can be done, you know. So, yeah, mm. I, I struggled to listen back because I'm like, why am I singing like that? But, you,
1: but some, of <laughs> I, I think, especially for Jezebels, because. To me, it felt very mature, like the music still. We had
0: that a lot. It
1: feels very mature. It was a bit annoying. And that's a nice, um, that's a compliment, by the way. No, it is
0: a compliment, but I remember we nearly got a sync on Twilight. Yeah. Which would have been great, but they were like, it's just a bit mature. And I was like, fuck.
1: Too mature for Twilight. Yeah, I mean,
0: (laughs) like, yeah, sorry, I would swear. Yeah, of course.
1: You can do whatever (laughs) you (laughs) want.
0: I assumed that you would- Allow swearing on oh, your
1: podcast. 11% wine and two F bombs are absolutely <laughs> fine.
0: <laughs> um, so, what was the question? I,
1: no, I think Jezebel's <laughs> music was very mature, mature, very moody, very dark. And, yeah. and I, I still, even last night, and this was, you know, years after, just, was really nice. It's lovely. Like, yeah. I think you do grow out of music as a listener, but I haven't grown out of Jezebel's.
0: That's cool. That is very complimentary. I think maybe we, not to like toot my own horn here, but I really like pop music that is like you know, you can like it immediately on an aesthetic level, like melodically, you know, all that stuff. But if you wanted to scratch the surface and find some kind of depth or have an analysis or wonder what it means, that you could. So, yeah. like, I think lyrics are really important and I really struggle to sing a song if I don't like the lyrics and think there's some kind of meaning.
1: Well, there was a review about Spray. I think, that said it was so funny in a way but so sad that a girl had to walk around with Spray. Yeah,
0: right. I remember reading that at
1: the time and I thought, "Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true.
0: Yeah. But what also makes it hard for me to go back and listen is that I'm a really different person to mm. the person who wrote those songs. So it's like, it's a younger me and I kind of cringe at her a you bit. You don't see
1: the snapshot in time and go, oh, how cool was I then? As yeah, a- I do. Or do but you I'm, just go, ugh.
0: I go, oh, you idiot. You think you're the first person to discover feminism? Or like, you know, I, I was a bit serious and a bit, you yeah. know, a pretty emo and like you know, the patriarchy. Mm. And now I'm like, it's more complicated than that, you yeah. fucking idiot. <laughs> like it's, you know. Like yeah, it's, I like that. And so I listened to this angry. It's a good angry, name for an album. It's more complicated, it's more
1: than, more that, complicated you're than that, you fucking idiot.
0: Yeah, it sort of could be by that band, I Love You But I've Chosen Darkness, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is one of my favourite yeah, band yeah. names of all
1: time. Really long. Yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> Um, Now you're going to play a bit for us today And let's go back to the start Because your dad was dressed as a witch And you were dressed as a fairy You're obviously in a somewhat musical household What was the song do you think for you That you heard or maybe your dad or your mum played That made you sit up and go Maybe I want to do this for a living
0: Well I don't know if it was like For a living at the time because I was like maybe three or four. Okay,
1: so no Oprah Lightbulb moment, but a song that made you go, wow, this is music.
0: Well, this would be the first song I ever learned to sing was Unchained Melody and I saw it whilst peeping through the bedroom door to watch the sex scene in Ghost when my parents were watching it and I was like, ooh.
1: Who had sex in Ghost again? Can you remind me? It's
0: a romance between (laughs) two main characters. There's like only – was a Patrick Swayze characters. and Demi, Demi Moore, Moore, not Whoopi. Or Whoopi Demi. was the ghost, wasn't she? No, Whoopi was the medium. Okay. Patrick Swayze's the ghost. He I gets don't think killed. I've ever watched it. It's, <laughs> it's
1: a pottery movie.
0: It's a pottery movie. It's about pottery and ceramics. You're like an
1: ashtray for your mum who doesn't smoke.
0: I remember distinctly thinking how annoying it was that they were doing this pottery and they were covered in clay and then suddenly they were, and they start making out covered in clay and then suddenly they were clean and dry. Yeah, and they go right. to the bed and I'm like, there's an inconsistency.
1: Is that like, when Unchained Melody starts? When, when does? Yes. Yeah, so oh, the Unchained okay. Melody
0: starts on the pottery wheel. Yeah, right. Ooh, she puts on the record and you get the crackle and they're like touching the sensual vase. Yes. I don't say vase. vase. I say vase. The vase is nice though. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I said capo the other day instead of capo. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't say that. Like sometimes you just try and change yeah, it up. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then you go, no, that's not me. Yeah. Anyway, the vase. And the vase, they're touching the it And then Oh my love Well when you play,
1: play a little bit for us We're only allowed 15 seconds If you play a bit for us I'll pretend I'm making a, a vase Oh
2: my love My darling I've hung good for your touch So
1: like, what do you what do you listen to? We'll, we'll talk about that at the end. Like, we actually ask you at the end who you'd like to introduce us to. But shit, um, <laughs> yeah, that, I'm giving you plenty of enough for
2: you? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um-
1: but but what do you listen to at the moment? Like, uh, are you listening? Are you going back? Are you liking new things? Are you?
0: It's always really hard to remember when people ask you this. Mm. Spotify has been really good for me because I'm not a new music listener. Really, like I've. Always just really liked old bands. And well,
1: it's and- also hard work. That's why I hope yeah. this podcast helps a bit because it's sometimes you want to be actually hand fed what you should be listening to.
0: There was a time, you know, obviously before streaming where like the only times you would discover things is when you heard them. Yeah. Like you were exposed to them in a car or in a shopping center or at someone's house and you're like, okay, I can like that. But now there's like this kind of prerogative or pressure to go searching. Mm-hmm. And I guess with less tastemakers and more music, it's kind of there is a fair bit of shit to wade through. Not so much less tastemakers, but just like more of everything. But so also it's for, like, how do you find them? On
1: that point, I don't give anything the time. Like, I remember walking to school every day for six months listening to a Whole Celebrity Skin. I know that album it's inside and album. out, every lyric, every guitar bit on my Discman, holding it really yeah. still. But in six months now, I would have consumed. 498 bands and remember two of them
0: exactly so it's like when you say what do you listen to i'm like well i've been listening to my discover weekly oh. thing but i can't and remember we're
1: gonna test for that <laughs> no
0: i can't remember where um any of the bands that i've been listening to in, f- in terms of new stuff like i like bands like fontaine's dc and amel and the sniffers and like kind of new punky bands like that and i also love i love a singer like yeah. a big projection singer like your Amy Winehouse's or yeah, like I really like 60s music for that reason, like soul and Dusty Springfield kind of vibes. I'm not heaps into like the understated contemporary stuff that's going on. Like it's good, but it's mm. not really my thing. Like I like emotional – I like Unchained Melody, you know? Yeah. I like big singing. And so were like they, the, they, they your influences then? Were they like big yeah, singers? Yeah, ABBA. Yeah. Queen, Bowie. Mm. All of the kind of 70s classics. Love Roy Orbison. My first EP, my aim was to try and make it sound like a memory of your parents dancing in the kitchen, but your mum is Cyndi Lauper and your dad is Roy Orbison. It's not a real memory. No, that's cool though. It's a cool
1: kitchen. Not (laughs) much cooking happening in that kitchen. No. But that's cool. They probably have a cook. But um
0: yeah. yeah, And they're dancing and it's the happy times in your childhood and that's that's your parents. Yeah. yeah. So it's kinda like, I love those two artists and uh uh, yeah, a lot of old stuff, but I don't know, new stuff, I can't like there was bands like this isn't not not new at all, but more recently like Arcade Fire and that kind of thing is pretty influential. I I was
1: at Glastonbury in 2014 and the first band I saw at Glastonbury 2014, I got in there late. It was Friday night. Arcade Fire just started and I managed in the 200,000 plus people to stand and watch that entire set and not my favourite band but one of my favourite musical experiences of all time. So good live. There was 900 people on stage. I'm not sure how they pay those guys. That's crazy. (laughs) Because you tour with a pretty large band.
2: Um, when well, you're yeah. on your
1: solo stuff because Monty's My- a dear friend of ours and there, he, he told me he had some great times on the road with you recently when you were doing the your solo stuff around Indeed. town.
0: Yeah, I, di- I decided to kind of divide it into two things. So one's like a really stripped back solo thing that's the money saver. It can get yes. you kind of into places and get your name out there without having to pay a whole army of people. Mm. And then when I do the the big rock show, I want it to be a fucking great big rock show. Mm-hmm. So I've got like- Two electric guitarists who both play lead and rhythm, but they kind of interchange a bit. Then a bass, acoustic guitar, and drums, and they had, like a lot of them, a lot of backing vocals. And it was kind of just like that wall of sound thing that I wanted to do, which serves the recordings. Yeah, I do. I do have a large band for someone who's starting out and probably can't afford to have a large <laughs> band. But like, I just want to do it right. I figure yes. like. Just blow people away, and then maybe you'll get more shows.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Rather than like skimping and well, being years okay.
1: Ago, years ago, and not but I interviewed Lady Gaga, and she said her first tour sent her bankrupt. Yeah. Because the record company would give her X, and she said, "Well, this is not going to be my first world." She's tour.
2: Lady Gaga.
1: And so she put her own money into every show, and me again walking away. I have not put a Lady Gaga album on at home once. It's such an amazing show and that sat with me for years. You've got to give it your all. Otherwise, what's the point?
0: Do you know what my best live show that I've ever seen is? So back to Byron Roots, the Parkway guys who are friends of mine were in England for Download Festival and I was living in London so I went up to see them and we all watched Ramstein (laughs) and it was another worldly experience. It was just so virile and masculine and, like, industrial and huge and powerful. It was just, like, the spectacle of it all mm. and it was still to this day and people are like, but how can you, like, like, you know, you were a feminist or something. And I'm right. like, well, I can appreciate what they're doing artistically. I just remember thinking there's no place on this stage for a woman other than to be, like, Sacrificially killed, maybe. <laughs> like it's like it was so super doing that in twenty twenty one, masculine. And I was like, but that's the outlet. Yeah. And you know they're coming from is it East Berlin or whatever? Where they think they're, so, Yeah. They're dealing with their history in a way that sometimes Germany doesn't. No, actually Germany's quite good at it. But like they were going face on with like fascism and stuff in this art, and I was like, wow, like it just it was it just blew me away. It was probably the closest thing to ever seeing a Nuremberg rally or something. It was yeah. like all of these rock fans like holding up their hands to them just like 20,000 people and it was like, wow, you can, you can see how the spectacle really gets a crowd going.
1: And do you find like in those experiences sometimes I've been at shows where I've never felt safer than in the Like, you know, the, the, it doesn't matter how many people, it doesn't matter the kind of the tone of the music, but God, it feels nice, it feels comfortable, it feels safe, everyone's on the same page, they're yeah. all doing the same Like nowadays, you can be in a room with four people, and we're meant to be watching a movie, but we're all actually doing something different. We're all on our phone, or there's something about a festival show or a show where you're for the first time all week or all year or a month, you're just doing what everyone else is doing. Living in the moment a a bit. Pretty amazing experience, which we haven't had for a long time.
0: True, and maybe that is what draws people to it because it's like, yeah, you're right. You're not really there to listen to the music because you have. You can listen to music mm. anyway. You're kind of there to experience it mm. or something together.
1: So, let's talk about the dreaded COVID. What okay. should have been happening for you in the last 12 months? I mean, you're obviously, you're out on your own. You, you've got, you're have about to release, I think, your second solo EP. Mm.
0: I should have been billboarded in America. Okay, charts. Great. That's basically <laughs> what That's was COVID's the plan. fault.
1: Then blame COVID for that. Big C. Big F and C. Yeah.
0: <laughs> my first EP, my debut yes. EP, The Piss, The Perfume, Came out, started last year and then I was due to do that tour when the big C hit and so that's what my song The Chains about, which was literally having my suitcase packed about to go out the door and like Dave calling me, my manager, being like, yeah, don't reckon you should go. Where were you to- supposed to be going? Like To Sydney and then around, you know, yeah. I think there was a few Australian shows, I can't remember exactly, and then to like the UK for Great Escape. And yeah, we just canned those shows, which was wise because that next day they were like, everything's shut. And I was like, I'm really glad I'm not stuck in Sydney right now. But yeah, so that happened. And I just, I kind of just used the time to record a bunch of songs, some of which have turned into my second EP that's coming out soon. Mm. Or may have come out by the time you broadcast this, who Mm. knows. Yeah, we pretend that we're doing this live.
1: Yeah, we're live right now (laughs)
0: because podcast's not live. How
1: is the news today? Whoa, I could not get over today's news. Actually, all the weather was crazy.
0: Yeah, so yeah, I just did that and did a bunch of COVID-safe shows, which Mm. was interesting. Toning back the guitar tone so that you didn't blow people's heads off. Accommodating for that kind of thing was.
1: As an audience member, I've enjoyed this table service element of I like uh, COVID. It.
0: I kind of think, bring it back. I reckon have, having the two shows, one early with tables and chairs and candles and people who have kids or old people or something can just come and like not feel intimidated and then they can go home and go to bed early and then you move the chairs and tables and you have a full rock show. Yeah. yeah. That I reckon is a great idea. Yeah, I did some acoustic shows as well.
1: Oh yeah, um, yeah, you did. Regional stuff, which is yeah. great. While you've got your instrument, let's go back a bit in time again, which I know you like doing. Part, not past life stuff, still current I'm quite life.
0: Quite a nostalgic person. Yeah. But
1: what about the, what about the song you remember that kind of changed things for you, career-wise? Oh, like of the, your my, own.
0: Okay, yeah. I would reckon maybe it's not called Cherry Pie. I always call it that. It's called A Little Piece, and oh, yeah, of that song maybe was on Dark Storm. It was. Yay, I know the songs. Yeah, Dark Storm is still TV. my favourite. I mean, um, not my
1: favourite. Obviously, your current stuff's my favourite, but Dark Yes, Storm's it has still- to be. Thank <laughs> you. God, Dark Song,
0: gross.
1: <laughs> uh I'm <laughs> all about the drip.
0: <laughs> good, good. Speaking of the drip. Yeah,
1: let's speak about it.
0: You know how you mentioned Live
2: Through This, was it? Mm-hmm.
0: I've just been enlightened mm-hmm. as to the fact that my EP cover looks a lot like that.
2: Oh, yeah. Or is
0: reminiscent of that.
2: Yeah, right.
0: Anyway, I have a crown on.
2: Yeah, you do. Yeah. Mm.
0: yeah. I like it.
2: <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> do. You're
0: not lying. <laughs> where, where where, was I? Cherry pie. Cherry pie. A little piece. Yeah, so, that's it. What- so, yeah, that got put on a mountain bike video by a guy called Danny McCaskill when YouTube videos were just starting to be like a viral thing. And it went viral. And then that meant that we were able to tour internationally. It was like a big moment. Yeah, it's the, a great video, by the way. Yeah. It's amazing. But
1: your videos are good. I feel. No, you that's it,
0: not our video. But,
1: do you, but No, but I'm saying, <laughs> but your about, videos. But your. Do you put. Because you've even got videos out for songs that not, are barely released. Yeah. You, Jezebel's, everything. It's, videos have been a big part of. I
0: can't watch Jezebel's early videos. I, again, it's a well, same as music. Well, that makes sense to me now because you've, yeah. you've already
1: admitted that you can't listen to just potato yeah, shoe. Say. I would have bet, not a betting man, but would have bet on the you yeah, watch yeah. the early ones either.
0: Yeah, thank you. I find okay, okay that's good because I was like fuck another me singing and dancing around. I mean, it's just, it's cheap. It's yeah. cheap to just get someone to film you singing your song. Then, you know. Yeah, yeah. You no. don't want actors. No, no. Although I
1: think Ruben, who were friends, yeah, Ruben's just done one in the Blue Mountains for. Your only great always, yoga, in the Blue Mountains with a bloke in a bikini with a beard pole dancing. Cool. So you could try something like that next I time. I could.
2: <laughs> I'd probably have to
0: pay that person though. Yeah, I'll just well, do it myself. We
1: could get one of the guys <laughs> in the room. We all do things for yeah. fr- pretty cheaply in here. you yeah. got Ryan, Darcy and myself.
0: Um, sounds good. <laughs> Think about so that I anyway. Might, text well, for If about I've it. got the right song for it, I'll get you in a bikini any day.
1: But do you want to play us a little bit of cherry pie slash little piece?
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's basically what I was trying to get to. (laughs)
0: That was a great segue.
1: (laughs) It was a great segue, wasn't it?
2: When have you been through the sea on the night? Hold me tight, babe, we got it. Did you find that you'd like a little piece of cherry pie, hot from the oven?
1: Thank you for that. That was awesome. So from that album though, there was about three years to the brink. When you guys released was it Pleasure Drive, was that on Cynthia? Why are you
0: skipping our best album?
1: Am I skipping the <laughs> yeah. am I skipping the best album?
0: Prisoner. Well, I'm not
1: skipping Prisoner. Am I it's skipping first? Pri- we yeah. went
0: to the brink. Which is a dark time.
1: Okay, well let's start with Prisoner then. Thank you.
0: <laughs> it's the ten year anniversary actually of Prisoner this is year. It- yeah, we're trying to get a tour together, but we're really fucking lazy.
1: Well, okay, what did it mean then? What, what did, because how, so you got together in, I'm going to make, am I making this up, 2007 with the Jezebels?
0: You didn't make that up. That's true. Yeah. 2007. Well, maybe we were together a little bit before that. We put our first EP out in 2009, didn't we? So, the
1: Prisoner was 2011 from my little book.
0: Our first show was 2007 in the Sydney Uni Band Comp. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty talky.
1: That's um, pretty cool. We're not in the roundhouse. Cool. Uh,
0: no, no, no. That's Randwick. UNSW. Oh, so I didn't go to uni. So My, I went to the <laughs> the one that looks like Hogwarts, and yeah. I chose it because it looked like Hogwarts. Okay. Literally, it's that's the second it.
1: Harry Potter reference in this podcast, by the way. I'm well into the
0: gargoyles. <laughs> yeah. I like the gothic shit. Yeah. So yeah, I just went there because I liked the building, and then got the band together, we got, I mean, I knew Heather from years ago and from school and Sam, but we got together for that show and met Nick at a cafe there and Bob's your uncle.
1: What was the process from, say, 2007 to 2011 to get that album out? Was it a struggle? Was it fun? Was it?
0: We did three EPs before that album, so it was good. We were independent, so we just got loans from the bank and funded them. Which is partly why we did three EPs instead of an album, because it's a cheaper way of getting more publicity.
1: Do you do more EPs than most people?
0: We did three. You're
1: even solo doing a lot of EPs.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's it's just cheaper. It's yeah. like you get the coverage. But with the streaming, media you, release, think you think it's you can kind tour. of just,
1: just getting it out is better anyway?
0: Yeah, the content monster is so hungry
1: mm.
2: and
0: it has a fast metabolism.
2: Yes. It's like,
0: just doesn't care that you just put something out like last week. It's like, what, what have next you done thing? ever? Yeah. You know, it's so you kinda gotta do another video of you fucking walking around singing the song and show <laughs> it on the internet and you know, like here's my next one, it's yeah. the same as the last, but hey mm. <laughs> you've forgotten that already. <laughs> yeah, <I
1: know>. so- <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a bit like Netflix, isn't it? It almost, thank God Spotify and stuff doesn't have as 30 seconds of the songs left to go, you might want to try this thing. Like yeah. it lets you be with that artist at least.
0: For a second, yeah. Yeah,
1: for just a second. I'm yeah. sure they'll be listening to this going, it's a good algorithm we might put in later like, oh, you like Harry Hallie Mary, you might also like.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: and then it pushes you off your page.
0: Yeah. The only thing, and it's annoying, actually it's not the only thing, but one of the annoying things about Spotify, and I don't hate Spotify, I'll have them know.
1: Mm. I like it. I well, think I like it's a it good too thing also. in general Obviously, if they're going to they run this podcast. Yeah, so no. The thing that great. frustrates
0: me though is the geographical limitations to the related artists.
1: Oh yeah, really? Yeah,
0: it's never particularly genreed or stylistic. It's like it's kind of just like who's in your country. Like artists who are on Triple J in Australia mm. are all kind of related artists and it's like they're not really related artists. Like they don't sound anything alike. I guess maybe it's because similar people listen to them, because similar people listen to Triple J or something. But it's like mm. I just don't. That's not how I want to find things. Like I don't listen to this, and then of course I like a band that's also from that country. Mm. Should be more stylistic. I yeah, think. that's slightly limiting. But it could just be in Australia, yeah, because of the Triple J effect. I don't know, but yeah, Surely that's my all- criticism of you, Spotify. Get it together.
1: <laughs> we'll cut that out, Spotify. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> We'll it's put my
0: this- only one. We'll put this on
1: the Apple version of the podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to play the room. So
1: Prisoner was not – so this was just a happy time. It was a good time. It came out. You were happy with the release. It was a process though. It was a while.
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say it was was a happy time. I mean, have you heard it? I said that. (laughs) It's pretty pretty dark and miserable record. No, 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 it's mature. Mature. Remember? Which means miserable. Yeah. Uh, No, it doesn't at all. It was a happy time. It was a good time. I was pretty depleted after that though, which was not a great time. Into the Brink second album syndrome. So that wasn't a great time. But yeah, before that. All the touring and stuff was amazing. What
1: was the difference about The Brink then? Like Getting a second album out, was it more pressure from outside? Was it pressure from within? It was a bit of
0: both. It came – at first it was a bit like, yeah, you just keep doing it, right? And then I kind of like sat there and was like, I don't know if I want to write an album right now. Like, But you kind of got to keep the momentum going. And we moved to London because our record deal based there. And so they were like, come over here, make a record, work with someone new. And we did, but then Heather got diagnosed with cancer. And so right, like a couple of weeks into writing and living there, and so it was like, oh, and they were kind of like, oh, in a week we've got to operate on you uh, or you could, you know, it might not be okay. And so just like, what? And you're like 26 and you're thinking you're making your second album and then you just like have this life-threatening cancer. And so we just had to stop and like it's the middle of London winter and Nick and I – Heather and Sam are a couple. We don't really, like, talk about it publicly, but there was a massive effect on half of the band, you know, because it was ovarian cancer, so it's got reproductive consequences. And so, yeah, we're just, like, walking around London in the snow going, what the hell? And Nick and I just assumed the band would be over. But then Heather came out of the operation and was like, I want to keep writing the record because I don't want to. Maybe it was a bit of a denial about it or maybe she just wanted – to have an outlet. I don't know what her reason was. I think you was. always
1: hear the people who are sick themselves are the don't ones wanna, that don't want to don't want to talk about it or be a part of it. Yeah, or and it became this thing where like everyone was always talking about her cancer
0: yeah. and she's like, Can we make a record so we can talk about a fucking record? Yeah, yeah. And so we did, but it wasn't in me at all to make that record. I right. just, I didn't really want to do it. Right. But it was like, ah oh, fuck it. Okay. <laughs>
1: yeah, here it is, guys. Here's the brink. <laughs> yeah. And yeah.
0: it's yeah, it was a rough, rough time but
1: because you were about to do a world tour, weren't you, when you had to call it off because that of Heather's after diagnosis.
0: That was which Cynthia. So, we didn't uh, tell right. the world for quite a while. She okay. had it and was going in and getting – she had various operations to remove tumours. They got embryos or whatever they do in case you lose that. So, she has some frozen and all that's That whole process of going through that. Then she got some chemo, but she didn't want the world to know. But then when we had Cynthia, our third record, I was in the UK at the time and we were supposed to tour that and that, then she got the call of like, you need to come in for chemo and so we had to cancel that. And so we had to kind of tell people because we'd done a lot of cancelling. (laughs) People were like, these guys are a bit flaky. And then COVID came (laughs) along and was like, oh, we're good at cancelling this. Suddenly the show doesn't have to go on. Amazing. But yeah, so we had to tell people because it was like a whole tour and we had to fire people who – we employed. And on what a did that mean? Like, that's that take, kind of take thing.
1: I mean it might be hard, but take the personal side out of it. like you've got a friend that's going through something huge, but professionally, how did that feel? Like just in a like selfish the moment.
0: entire... I'm I'm quite good at selfish moments. Okay,
1: let's do it then. The
0: entire like just rug had just been pulled out and you're just like free falling. Yeah. Basically for a while in the universe, just floating about going that's the thing about cancer. It's not just an illness. It like it affects your whole life and everyone's life. It's financially and your direction and, you know, everything like that. So I think Yeah, it was just a lost soul for a while, to be honest. And I was trapped in London. And it was like the day David Bowie died or something. Yeah, right. I I moved out of my house already because I was going on tour. So, I had to find a place there because my ticket home was the ticket to the tour. So, I was kind of trapped. And then- And then I ended up moving into like a hostel in Brixton, which was horrid. And it was when David Bowie died and he was from Brixton. So, it was just like, yeah, right. it was pretty emotional. It was like a lot of David Bowie parties and murals. And like, I was just like, who am I? Like, I thought I was going on tour and <laughs> yeah. now I'm here and Bowie's dead. It's and I'm fucked. wandering
1: around <laughs> <laughs> without a, without a hostel how shower. This is it was meant to
0: be <laughs> no. today. Yeah. No. So, I was trapped in a hostel for a while. That sucked.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can imagine.
0: But, you know, it was better than chemo.
1: So, so so. what about, so when did you decide or when did the band decide to, I mean, what's the word? Is it we've hiatus? Is decided. it break up? We've okay. never
0: decided. It just, probably after that, mm-hmm. it was like, we eventually did the tour. I can't remember if we went to America and the UK or not. I think we did.
1: Sounds like it did and you can't remember.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't, it's just a bit of a blur because we've gone there quite a few times, but I think we did. And then- We just didn't really make any more music. I mean, we did the others, one song. We had this kind of plan to do a song-based thing rather than, you know, the pressure of albums. It still just seemed too much pressure. And I think after their experience, Sam and Heather really wanted a bit more of a normal, stable life. So they kind of went back to uni. Nick went back to uni. I was then like trying to find my my voice as a solo artist. (laughs) And uh, so, we've just all – Nick's a full-time teacher now. Yeah, right. Science teacher. Oh, that's cool. He's a nerd.
1: And how is Heather going?
0: She's great. So, she got on an experimental drug that has seemingly not had any bad side effects for her and is working. Well, this is the last I heard. And so, she gets it for free for life because she was part of this trial, so – Seems in a good spot. Great.
2: Yeah.
1: So tell us about the transition. Then you're in a band. You're kind of making egalitarian decisions. You're kind of doing the right thing. You're almost working. like you're working. You know, democracy. Yeah. So then now you're the uh,
0: dictator in me. Just had to have a little. <laughs> had to have a little moment. You're a
1: solo artist now, which we yeah, love. I how how did shorts. it feel when the piss the perfume was out and you were doing your own thing and you're free of the kind of band politics.
0: I mean, yeah, I'd been pretty free of the band politics for a while because we hadn't done anything. But to yeah, to start doing stuff all kind of on my own, I felt great. It was a it's a big challenge. Like you realize how much a band does, and also like how you defined your sound is by the other people that you're collaborating with and all that stuff. So there's like a lot of freedom that was quite overwhelming. It's like, where do you go? What direction do you go? I kind of found myself being, not pushed, but just falling into like a bit of a pop world, like with pop producers for a while. And And was there a part of like not
1: having people to fall, like when there's success, you pat each other on the back, when there's failure, you're with each other, you're – because I always think solo sports people are the biggest knobs in the world because they've got no one to ever tell them that – Like they're a bit shit. Yeah. yeah.
0: I have a team. So yes. there's, I guess, the difference. It's like, but I call the shot. So ultimately, they don't have to be free this time of year to go on tour. They don't have to right. like the music. It's all down to me in the end. But yeah. I have people that help me, so that's lucky. Like I've got a label, which we never had with the Jezebels. Probably wouldn't have worked with the Jezebels. Very crucial to me because mm-hmm. having that feedback. Got a manager and Johnny, my partner, work like ends up helping me with writing a lot of the time and demoing and just general like feedback and life stuff. I just show him press shots and he's like, that one's good. And I'm like, great.
1: I was going to say, how, how, how is that being in a show? Oh, let's call it a show of his relationship. Because <laughs> okay. you obviously understand each other. You under- I
0: prefer the term power we're, And we're
1: sitting opposite some of his gold <laughs> records in Patty's house too. Yeah. you got to get some of those. You should. You should. You'll be the next frame.
0: Actually, friend. I do have some of those. They're just
1: not in this office. Well, come on, Patty, Lift your game, mate. Is it a lovely, is it a not, like you can come home and you can go, how does this sound? You've got an honest feedback. Yeah, yeah, it's really
0: good. I've been in musical relationships before, but there was never that working relationship. Like we just kept it separate. Sometimes a little bit competitive actually, which can happen, but- it's really good. I definitely wouldn't have done this solo stuff without meeting Johnny because he's the person that put a guitar on me in the first place. Like I used to play guitar when I was like five, but then Sam was a lot better. <laughs> so I just didn't bother. And I like a front person who doesn't like.
1: And guitar. I like it. When Jezebel shows, yeah. you're a proper front woman, you know, you've, yeah, you've, got, I the jam- like you've got the Jamison that. in the hand yeah. and
0: you're having a go. Having a swan or a frolic, I like to call. <laughs> yeah, I like I to it. swan about. Yeah, But yeah, so I wouldn't have done any of it if he didn't go like, Chuck an acoustic guitar on physically when we were hanging out as friends and then yeah just keep pushing me a bit as well like I kind of learned the work ethic from his, him as well because when you've got a band you're there's a mutual pressure mm. slash expectations how do you drive yourself and I, he's the kind of guy that gets up and writes songs like sort of every day
1: they're a very driven bunch, aren't they?
0: Yeah, I think he's the engine.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs>
0: he's kind of a lot of people's engine. Yeah, he's an energetic human being. He really is. Yeah, I'm quite languid in comparison, but he. What's well,
1: good though? You need the- you need each other. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure.
0: I calm him down a little.
1: Yeah, do you want to play something from Solo Life that maybe you put out first that terrified you and it worked, or something that you're most proud of? Up to you.
0: I really like The Piss The Perfume. Me too. Yeah, it's a great song. Very Let's proud of that one.
2: Don't it come around the wind and the sound That's slant it. in the room the piss the perfume Always oh, somehow can bring me to tears Whenever combined with pictures of you
1: Okay, so tell us about The Drip.
0: Okay. Um, it's an EP, seven songs. It's my second EP. The title track, The Drip, is probably one of my favourites that I've ever written lyrically and just – and vibes. It kind of was inspired by Edinburgh and living – after this period of like soul-searching, not knowing who I was, going into like pop producers and them trying to make me sound like Billie Eilish or something, um, which doesn't work. I, it just doesn't work. I've tried for her. the pop thing. It's works Actually, for her. I I suck at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it does. She's great.
1: The first solo EP was quite poppy, don't
0: you think? No, sorry. It's poppy, but I mean pop slick production, oh. minimalism, all that stuff that is kind of in a production sense. I'm not saying it's not melodically poppy or whatever, but you know what I mean. So, after this soul searching lost soul Rug out from under you vibes. I did some time in America. I did some time in the UK. I hired a Ford Mustang convertible and I drove to visit my unmet auntie in Vegas from LA. That's what Pleasure Drive was about. You know, I did some soul searching and- didn't really find anything for ages.
1: Hang on, does someone live in Vegas by choice? Is, is it a family member? Yeah, that-
0: my family member. She, she's from Glasgow, so she wanted to go to the opposite mm, of Glasgow. And quite the it opposite. Turns out it's Vegas. Yeah, and I was kind of trying to write songs and getting somewhere and I was with Johnny and then we decided to move to Edinburgh. Basically, something about living in Edinburgh and I worked in this CAF, which is the UK word for cafe. Um, like vase. At- yeah (laughs) and I think some of them say vase anyway it was like immediate that I realized I suck at hospitality like I always knew that (laughs) but like I was reminded because I'd lived off the Jezebels for like a while and I was like that was good let's go back to that Um, and so suddenly you know it was like a month into like getting up really early when it was like dark and going home when it was dark and riding through the rain and serving disgruntled Scottish tradies haggis rolls and Delicious, by the way. And Haggis
1: Roll what is that very quickly? Is that a Haggis in a Roll? Yeah. Okay. Do you
0: know a morning roll? Like yeah. A soft morning well, my roll. My family's
1: Scottish. Yes. Yeah. You know, and they're Delicious. all from Edinburgh. So and
0: Stornway Black Pudding. Mm, oh,
1: Black Pudding's the greatest. It's the stuff.
0: Anyway, so all that stuff that I was doing, and it was, took me a month of doing that to go, I actually need to write some fucking songs. Like, I can't, this can't be forever type stuff. And so it was inspired by Edinburgh, that song, The Drip. Mm. A lot of the songs were written there. And then some here. It's a bit of a mix, but Did you record here? Recorded here, yeah. So that kind of, yeah, it's a bit about Scotland and the UK and the mundane life that I was living, but also kind of enjoying it and it was kind of a romantic mundane life. But yeah, then there's some other songs on there.
1: Could we hear a little bit of one of them, do you think? Could you give us a little bit of one of
0: them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what do you want to hear? Do you want to hear the drip or do you want to hear sullen kink?
1: Whatever you think whatever you think we should hear.
0: Here's the drip.
2: Breaking habits now, there he goes, the cat that I can't feed. Make me happy, but not for long, the drip inside of me.
1: All right, so we're about to, we're about to finish up. What does the next little moment for you look like? Are you, uh, heading, like, are you planning on a, a tour soon? Are you getting the band t- together? Are you...
0: I Working need I do. need to get some gigs happening. I'll do my own, but I need to get on a support or something. I think mm. and just like go extensive. That's the one thing I really want and think is lacking from my solo thing is just like time on the road. It's not been the greatest year to start a new project. But yeah, that's something that the Jezebel's had. We just did a lot of touring and so... It became like the back of your hand thing. And that's what I want to do. So yep. that's the aim. I'm actually studying sound production at TAFE. Yeah, right. Decided to upskill.
1: Well well done. Yeah, this naivety is Naivety
0: only got me so far. I'm like, you I've go run out of. The- <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> No, never. (laughs) I'll just, I'll do, I'll get into real estate or something. Yeah, everyone in Sydney's into
1: real estate. It's so hard to be real estate agent in Sydney. I'll say that over there. I'm
0: from Melbourne though and it's an up and coming market. I've got a house
1: you could rent in Melbourne, by the way. We'll talk about that later. I can't afford it. Let's leave with someone or some band or something you'd like to introduce us to.
0: My brother's band. Yeah. He doesn't play much live. He's got that kind of like. I don't know, that internet generation thing of like not wanting to do things that aren't perfect or fail in front of people. This is just my summarization. He's probably going, listen, going, what the hell are you talking about? But he doesn't, you know, get out there and, and promote himself much or anything. He's not particularly ambitious with the music, but he's really good and it's called Magnified Desire.
1: The band's name? Yeah. Yeah, great. Hey, um, thank you so much for giving us um, time today. I've, I've loved it. And um, thank you know, for having me. We know this little area, so let's go out and have a eleven percent.
0: Let's go dance in the Utopian Garden.
1: Glass of yeah, let's do uh, all that.
0: Do you know what I? I did some time off drinking, and I discovered how good they are at marketing the alcohol industry. This, yeah. this is a picture of Utopia. Is it? And yeah, it's just it's just it sells itself so well, doesn't it? What's it
1: called? What's the one? Oh, this is what I got from P and V the other day. It's.
0: George. Giovanni Armani Giorgio. That sounds like a fashion mm. brand, several fashion brands You can buy it once. from
1: Chemist Warehouse and spray it on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I said to the, the P&V guys, I go, oh, I'm just going to see a mate. She likes low alcoholic wines. What have you got? And they're like, no. Nah. Lo- yeah. <laughs> That's what I do got. you know where
0: I get it? If you yeah. ever do want this, yeah. you, you should get into this. Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> Why would <laughs> you say that?
0: I didn't mean anything by it, mm. is the gladi? Not the Gladi, but near it, Chippendale's Cellars yes, or something. okay. The one on Abercrombie, is it?
1: I know it. Yeah, okay.
0: It's really nice. Back, Be- okay. I got back into it. She loves it. All right, that's our hostess with mostess.
1: I'll go there in ten years and let you know how it goes. <laughs> cool.
0: <laughs> 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 when the liver failure come. <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> Haley told me I need to come here. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> uh,
1: thanks for thanks for jumping on the podcast. with us. appreciate it. Thank you for having me, and having big you.
0: thanks to um, Patty and Beck for having
1: yes. Me. <laughs> Let's go and eat some of their
0: food. Yeah, totes.